Hey everyone, this is Pastor Steve from Faith Community Church, and you are listening to Faith That Works, podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We're so excited that you've taken time to listen to these words today. Our desire is that this would push you to a closer, deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. When you really get down, those days, hey, Monday's coming, it's tomorrow. And you're going to have to get up and get going. And you're going to need, some of you, the power of God. So the good news is, hey, the good news is you have the power of God. Right? Why why do we think we don't have what God has given us what we need? Boss, be a good boss. Respect employees. Any authority. All these relationships are impacted. The ripple effect of Christ in us the hope of glory. So let's read a little bit about how it ripple effects. Let's talk about part two. There's some more impact beginning in verse two of chapter four. Colossians four, verse two, here we go. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of the time let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person so now the ripple effect now we we talked last week about the relationships it impacts and now the ripple effect of Christ in you the work of Christ in you it's going to impact you Paul tells us right there look back to verse 2 he says continue steadfastly in prayer let's talk about prayer for just a minute he says to continue steadfastly in prayer so he's telling us right there and so we understand church that we need to pray. If I were to ask you, should you pray, you would say, of course we need to pray. But he says right there, pray steadfastly. In other words, that means diligently. In, in, in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus even said this. He said, he, the Bible says that he told a parable so that they would pray and never give up. Some of you prayed for a season And then when prayer didn't do maybe what you thought it should do, you're like, okay, I'm out. I didn't win the lottery. I didn't get the new car. God didn't hear me. And so I'm just going to move on from prayer. But can I understand, we think prayer is us asking God to move. Actually, prayer is God moving in you. When, When you pray, you're wanting God to move in other people. And God is actually wanting to move in you. You are agreeing in prayer that whatever God wants to do on the earth, you are agreeing with that. Your willingness to come in prayer. I submit to you, God. I'm asking for this. I want you to do this. But God, whatever you choose to do, I'm in agreement because you are overall, and I'm dependent upon you. You understand that? So that word steadfast right there, it means to be, to be diligent, right? So... Some of you will will go to lunch today. Or maybe you went out to to dinner last night. Hey, men, Valentine's Day's coming. Start thinking. 
You can't use daughters as the king as your thing. That's just one thing. Do something else, okay? I'm just saying. We're not here to replace it. We're here to add to it. All right, moving on. Continue steadfastly. You've had good waiters and waitresses, and you've had bad ones, right? You like throwing down the chips, and you're like choking because there's no Diet Coke in your cup, right? And you're like, where is my waitress? Where is my waiter? Where I've been dry for a moment, and you can feel yourself getting a little bit frustrated because you're like, and maybe some of you, I've been to eat with some of you. I've seen you go, I can just go get that drink myself. I see that fountain machine right over there. I'll just get up and I'll wait on myself. And you watch that tip. You watch that tip. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to be. Right? You get upset when you're not waiting when it's not steadfast. That's the same word. The same word. To be diligent. To be taken care of. Do you pray like a good waiter? Always. So you've had the good waiter, right? Your drink gets about halfway down. Let me help you. Right next thing you know, what else you need? What else? And they're always, they're always, they're diligent. They're steadfast. They're doing what you need. They're being good. Are you praying like that? Right? Are you praying like that? Are you just kind of once in a while, he, you know, it's like, well, I pray on Sundays. Uh, you got to do better than that. We've got to be diligent. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. So we've got to be steadfast. In our prayer, Paul tells them to continue steadfastly in prayer. Then he tells you to be watchful. How many times in the Bible does, do you see the phrase watch and pray? Jesus told them, hey, hey, guys, watch and pray. You know what that means? That means to pray alert. Be aware of what's going on. you got to pray with a little bit of... Uh, uh, fire, right? Right? Some of you understand, right? You, before you go to, to bed at night, you have this thing, you check the doors, you make sure everything's secured, you take a walk around the house, you make sure everything's secured, you do your thing. You got to pray like that. You got to be watchful. You got to be mindful. You got to be passionate. You can't come to God with a, well, here I am, Lord. You know my boss is terrible and my kids are terrible. Just do something. Amen. That's, that's, God's like, what? That doesn't feel very watchful. That doesn't feel very helpful. We've got to be alert. And can I tell you, some of you say, well, I, I don't really know how to pray. Right? Can I, can I tell you that if you can talk, you can pray. And some of you talk a whole lot. And then when it's time to pray, you shut up. I don't understand that. You talk to each other like no problem. When it's time to pray, like, <laughs> it's just God. It's just God. And you should talk to God regularly, often, and, and not, right? And, and God's not interested in, and, you know, I, I grew up in a, 
a very old-fashioned wooden pew church. You've heard me say that, and there was a gentleman. And my, the pastor would only call on certain men to pray because they knew, uh, I guess, the right tone to get into to pray, and they could pray in the King James language. And this one guy would jiggle his keys and the change in his pocket because he had a little nervous tick, and you could barely hear his prayer over that. But it was like, Oh, King Jesus, whither thou art thou, withest thou hither to us in this affair. And I'm like, what is he saying? I don't even understand that at all. And his tone would change, right? It would get real elevated when it was time to pray. And then I grew up thinking, I'm not getting there. I don't know that. I don't know that language. I don't know that. I can't speak like that. And then I realized God just loves me for me. I understood God. You know what God wanted to hear? He just wanted to hear me talk to him. And commune with him. I realized that God loved me. How? He loved me right where I was. And it's okay to stammer around. And it's okay. And it's okay to say, you know, that that thing, um, well, you know, um, I can't get the words, Jesus, but you know. So, and you just kind of, and you just pray, and you pray with passion, and you pray with fervor, and you're watchful, but pray. He tells them to pray steadfastly, he says to be steadfast, he says to be watchful, and then he says, be watchful in it with what? Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? I, I think this pandemic has been an opportunity to see what the church is really going to do, who the church really is, and how the church can really respond. Because I'm telling you, there is nothing, nothing, nothing on this earth that's going to rob me of my thanksgiving. You hear that? If the church of Jesus would have not gotten engaged in these stupid debates, and we had just become engaged in the worship of the king. And we had said, you know what? You fight about masks. You fight about mandates. You fight about vaccines. But I'm going to be thankful. My God still sits on the throne. I, I know we're all concerned. And we all shouldn't just ignore the issues. But at the same time, we've lost our gratitude. Has God, has, are we going through something so terrible that we should ever forget what Jesus has done? Are we going through something so bad that we should stop being thankful and just get down in the... And can I tell you, and when we do that, the devil wins. And he robs the church of her joy and her gratitude. And, and don't, right? So think about it like this. We're the bride of Christ, right? Right? I've been around a few brides on their wedding days. Anybody understand what I'm talking about right now? I don't want to give too many details, but you know what I'm saying. Right? Bridezilla is a real thing. Amen? <laughs> it's a real thing. But, but can I tell you, when, when, when a bride gets lost in that, in, in that, they lose the joy of the day. They lose the joy of the day. Of course you want everything. Hey, listen, can I tell you, do you want everything to go well this week? Of course you do. Will it? Probably not. In my favorite, my favorite promise of the Bible, in this world you will have trouble. But fear not. I've overcome the world. I, I'm not, look, I, I know tomorrow 
It's going to go sideways. I'm ready. Because guess what? I'm not worried about what the world does to me. I'm locked and loaded. I'm anchored in the hope of Jesus Christ and his word. Bring it on, world. I'm going to stay plugged in to my Jesus. I'm going to stay thankful. I'm going to stay in praise because the devil can't take that. You've heard the old gospel song, the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. Right? What God put in me is so deep and so rooted in Him. The world can't take it. A pandemic can't take it. My boss can't take it. The disease can't take it. Sickness can't take it. My bank account can't take it. You understand? Because it's joy. Joy from Christ Himself. So be thankful, church. Be steadfast. Be diligent. Right? Be watchful. Be mindful. Hey, some of you. Start being thankful, more thankful. Let's be a thankful people. Then he says, after that, and at the same time, pray also for us. So right there, that, that's a great verse if some of you think, well, you know, I really don't like asking for prayer. I, I'm one of those people. That, you know, don't, uh, I feel bad asking for prayer. Paul asked for prayer right there. Paul says, pray for us. Pray for us. So your prayer should also have some purpose. Right? Purpose. Be, and can I tell you this? It, it's good to pray in general prayer. But boy, I, I think God wants to hear you nail it down. Get specific. God, I want you to bless. God, I want you to help. God, I want you to give them everything they need. God, I want you to... Right? And, and, and really, use your words. Right? Remember when you had children and they were toddlers and they would just come to you with the... <laughs> And you would say something like, what is happening right now, number one? And then use your words. You, you're going to you're gonna have to calm down and use your words so I can understand what you're saying. Can I say talk to God and use your words? Now, the good news is, here's the beautiful thing. God knows your heart. And even the Bible says if you can't get words to it, the Holy Spirit will take care of it for you. But the best you can, the best you can, Use your words, right? And let God, watch God move. Be purposeful. So be diligent. Be steadfast in your prayer life. Be watchful. Be thankful. Pray with purpose. Can I tell you something? I'll stop right here and tell you just for a second. How many of you understand and believe this? That prayer moves the heart of God. There is a certain belief called, and I won't get into this too deep, called determinism. Determinism says this. Determinism says, God's already determined everything, so why pray? God already knows what he's going to do. I'm just going to sit back and let things happen. God's already made his mind up on every single thing, so why pray? And I'm telling you, what I believe is that my prayers can move the heart of God. I believe it was in Abraham, it was Abraham in the book of Genesis that said, Hey, God, he's negotiating with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? And he moved. And Moses, God's about to wipe them all out. God says, Moses, I'm sick of these people. I'm going to start over with you, and I'm killing all the Hebrews. Let's start over. Moses says, God, hold on, hold on. That would be a bad look on planet Earth for you. What would the Egyptians say about that? Can you, just, can, you, can you have mercy in this moment? Can you spare the people for just a moment? And God restrained his wrath from the people. Hezekiah even prayed, God, I want to live a little bit longer. And he lived 15 extra years. God moves when we 
pray. Now here's the thing. I'll say this. You don't demand of God. I like it when my kids say, Dad, Mom, we, we, we like to go to Ritter's. Don't we? We like Ritter's. It's good. How come nobody amen Ritter's? What's everybody's problem in here? What's going on? Do y'all know something about Ritter's? I don't know. I said, we like to go to Ritter's. Y'all are like, so what? I mean, it's a, it's a frozen custard treat. Come on, people. Don't be dead on me over here. So, so we like to go to Ritter's. And it's nice when the kids say, can we go to Ritter's? Because the heart of the authority sometimes says, I love that. Do you remember that night? We are like, let's go to Sonic. Just randomly. It was just random. Did you, well, are you the ones that suggested it? We're having a little conversation here. So we're sitting at dinner table one night. So I go to Sonic now. We like Sonic too, okay? Anyway, we'll talk about Sonic later. So we're sitting at the dinner table. Chris is like, how about Sonic? I said, hot dog, let's go. Boom. Up I went. My wife's like, what? We go? I said, in the car. Let's go. We're going to Sonic. We're all blocked. We just went right then. See, Briston moved the heart of the person with the money and the keys to the car. Her request, listen, her request moved me. Do you understand? Now, if I had said no, and she throws herself down and starts kicking and screaming, now I'm just upset. Because see, I have the money and the keys. But if you move my heart, sometimes the Father says yes. Sometimes the Father says no. And church, we got to be okay with that. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? I already got a plan. We're going to Sonic tomorrow. We don't want to go two days in a row. I've got a plan. Just trust me right now. So can I tell you, it's a yes, no, or a wait. And you have to be okay with that because you trust the heart of God. So pray, church. Pray, but don't you ever demand God. God, you will do this for me. Maybe I'm doing something better than you think. You know? Because sometimes, I'm going to tell you, if I say no to Sonic, it's because maybe I'm saving my pennies because we're going to Disney World. And Disney World's a lot better than Sonic. Well, not really. Not at my age. But you understand? <laughs> at this point, I'd rather go to Sonic. <laughs> you keep Disney World. Give me a 44-ouncer. Okay, you understand? <laughs> you, you, you understand, though? You, you, hey, when you pray, pray with fervor. Pray diligently. Pray faithful. Pray thankful. And, and be diligent and steadfast and watchful and all this thing. But at the same time, trust the heart. Of God. Amen? Second thing, it's going to impact. It's going to impact your focus. Look what he says right here. That God, at the same time, pray for us. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am prison. I, I love this right here. You know why I love this so much? Paul says, pray for us that the door may be opened. Not to the house arrest I'm under. Not to a prison, but the door to the gospel. He's under house arrest. And all he's interested is, don't pray, pray for me to be released. Pray that justice will be done and these Romans will suffer the consequences of putting me in this house. He knows that. Pray for the gospel. Pray that even though I'm under house arrest, that the gospel will go. Because it's not about me, it's about the gospel. Can I tell you what Paul was? He was gospel driven. His main 
concern. See, when Christ is in you, the hope of glory, all of a sudden now, it's not about jobs. It's not about, it's not about promotions. It's not about money. It's not about status. It's about Jesus. And my focus is Jesus. And as many people as possible knowing about Jesus. And he becomes the focus. He becomes the center in everything I do. Paul was still focused on the door for the gospel. Instead of the door of his prison. He was driven by the gospel. Can I, can I ask you what, what motivates you? What drives you? Are, are you? are you living every day to make more money or get a promotion or to... You're saving money for something, or you're trying to achieve something. If, you're, if I could just do this or get there, I want the next thing, or I want this. Can I encourage you today? Can, can I encourage you? Invest in something that will last forever. Invest in something that will last forever. Because what you do for Christ will last for all eternity. Do something, right? Not that will change this world, but that will change the next. Do you hear that? Do something. Be driven to do something for someone or to do something with what God's given you that will impact not just this world, but the next. Do, do you understand you have, you, you could possibly change all eternity by what you do on Monday? There's a lot of potential. You never know what Monday's going to look like, but you have the potential to change forever by what you do in a single day. So when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, now all of a sudden your focus is changed. That I might make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And then let's look at verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So it's going to impact the ripple effect, your prayers, the ripple effect, your focus, and then a ripple effect, your walk and your talk. Can I get an amen? Jesus in you is going to impact your walk and your talk. So walk is basically your conduct. Think about how you live your life. The Jesus in you is going to change the way you conduct yourself. Now, he even says, he's very specific right there, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, which made me think of this statement right here. Look at this on the screen. Conduct your life so it's not difficult for people to believe you belong to Jesus. Now, think about that. In my dealings with people, with outsiders, when I come in contact with somebody shouldn't find out you're a Christian and they go, what? You? A Christian? They should already know because of how you act. The way you conduct yourself is already in such a way that people are kind of wondering what it is about you. And when you say Jesus, they go, oh, now that, okay. That explains a lot. You, you, you're one of those people. Yes, I am. Call me Jesus freak. I consider it a compliment. Right? Conduct yourself. Walk with the outsiders. He says walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Now, I'm, I'm all about time. In fact, there was a season of my life, I'll tell you a little bit that you probably don't want to know, but because I got you captivated, you have to hear it. 
There was a season in my life I worked as a manager for a Wendy's. I desperately had graduated college. I had a ministry degree, and I wanted to be in a church so bad. But nothing was open, and there's these things that come in the mail called bills, and they needed to be paid. So I got a job at a Wendy's as a manager. And when I worked at a Wendy's for a manager, honestly, God used that to teach me a whole lot about time. Because when I was the opening manager, there were lots of duties that had to be done before the store opened. And the store opened at a certain time. And in order to get everything done in time to open on time, they had little incremental time things. You have to chop up all these tomatoes and you got to do it in eight minutes. All this bacon has to be fried and you got 20 minutes. The lettuce has to be done. In order to get everything done, you put little time things. So I probably drive my wife crazy to this day because I'm like, listen, we got six minutes to do that and seven minutes to go here. And then in 10 minutes, we'll be here giving us 15 minutes to do that. You ready? Let's go. She's like, dear Lord. I'll even say things like, you can ask her. I say this all the time. We got plenty of time. Now, ladies, you can know this will drive you nuts. We got plenty of time. As long as we're out the door in eight and a half minutes, we're good. And she's like, eight and a half minutes? <laughs> right? Because I'm thinking, I, and you say, eight and a half, you just throw it out. I'm literally thinking, we got eight and a half minutes because it's going to take us about another two and a half to get in the car. It's going to take us about 18 to get to the church. You follow me? That's the way my mind works. Some of you are like, dear Lord, now I know how to pray for Stacy even more. <laughs> and some of you are like, yeah, yeah, man, that's exactly how I do, too. I do that, too. So I've got this thing. Will you put that one slide up for me? What's this? People say I have no time. Let's break this down for just a second. Did you know you have 168 hours a week? So let's, let's just, we'll do this real fast. If you work 60 hours a week, and some of you do, or, or, or more. If you work 60 hours a week and you sleep 56 hours a week, that's eight hours a night. Some of you are like, that's not happening. But let's just say, you were able to get that much sleep. And then seven hours a week of hygiene because y'all stinky. You need an hour a day. Brush your teeth, shower up. Six hours going to church. Now that's the committed member of Faith Community Church. Six hours a week. That's a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's a, You're my favorite right there. All right, now, then you go 14 hours of fun. You can do two hours a day, anything you want to do for two hours a day. Some of you are like, man, that sounds amazing. And then 10 hours a week to eat, right? You would still have two hours and 10 minutes left every day. Two. <laughs> Sleep less. Right? Still, 153 hours. And if you're working, you know, I'll tell you this. If you're working 60 hours a week, your spouse is cooking. How about that? Do you understand how that works? But to be honest with you, and some of you say, I can't find 15 minutes a day to pray. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just got to be disciplined. You got to find it. Paul even tells us, make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. And listen, you're just like me. Things slip by. And how many of you are sitting around at 10 o'clock at night going, where'd this day go? Where'd this day go? I don't even I don't even know what 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 did I what did I do today? Right? What it's ten o'clock at night. What did I do today? 
I'm asking you as a believer in God to be disciplined and be diligent about your time. Be purposeful. Be diligent. Paul tells us right there to make the best use of your time. And so there's your walk. Then in verse 6 he talks about your talk. Let your speech always be gracious. Gracious. Hey, can I, can I, you, you know, can, can I ask you something real quick? We, we have, I've been in church my whole life and we say, walk the walk and talk the talk. I, I, or walk what you say. or you know, I, I'm, Does your talk match your walk? A lot of people say, I go to church, I'm committed, I read my Bible, but your words are still nasty, still tearing down, still not uplifting, still discouraging, Right? you're hanging out with other Jesus people, but what you're coming out of your mouth is discouraging. Let your talk be gracious. Let your speech, when you open your mouth, don't make, me, don't make people wish you had not. Now that's pretty good. When you open your mouth, make people be like, oh man, when he speaks, it's gracious. And then he says, seasoned with salt. You know what that means to me? That, that, that means it's flavorful. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of flavor. You know, they got a salty mouth. We've, we've turned that whole phrase around. Salty ought to be good. Salty shouldn't be terrible. You, you've, got, you've got lots of joy. You've got powerful things coming out. You've got praise coming out. Your, your speech is seasoned with salt. Because you know what salt does? Salt flavors. You know what else salt does? It preserves, doesn't it? It preserves. And can I tell you, your encouraging words could preserve the heart of somebody. Your encouraging words could help somebody get to the next day. So let your speech, come on church, let your speech be gracious. Let it be gracious. Let it be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Your speech, what should it also be? It should be helpful. Your speech should be helpful. It should be gracious. It should be kind, full of praise. It should be encouraging. And then it should be helpful. Be ready to answer. Be ready to give. Sometimes somebody asks you something and your first thought is, this is an inconvenience to me right now. What I need to say to you is an inconvenience. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for this. We, I wish you'd just hurry up. Why are you asking me a question right now? And you're not reflecting the heart of God. It's important to do that. So I have three questions I want you to ask yourself today. We're going to wrap this up. Let's go to that last slide. How's your prayer life? Is it faithful? Is it watchful? Is it thankful? Is it purposeful? And what is the most important thing for you every day? Where's your focus? See, all of these are things you have to examine today. This is heart search time. And then lastly, does your walk match your talk? And does your talk match your walk. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. 
come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day and always remember that Jesus changes everything.